All right. As I thought about what to share with you on the first day of the new year, this is actually the eighth day now, but anyway, I was moved by a song that I heard by Consumed by Fire that's called First Things First. These are some of the words. I don't want to love what the world loves. I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. Great song, Phil, by the way. I like that one. I only want you. First things first. I seek your will, not my own. Surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first things first. To live your truth. Walk your ways. Set my eyes. Lord, I fix my face on you. All my desires reversed. To keep the first thing first. You know, our church motto is love God, love people, and amen. And if we want to keep the first things first, I need to have more love. Love for God, love for others. And the passage that God led me to talks about loving more, loving fervently. Let's take a look at what we can find in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. So if you want to turn to that. The passage comes in the context of Peter telling us the purpose of suffering. As a result of going through suffering, we can learn what to do and how to live by keeping the first things first. So let's take a look at 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, Peter starts by telling us that the end of all things is near. All the major events of God's plan of redemption have occurred. The final curtain could fall at any time, amen? And ushering the return of Jesus Christ in the end of the age. I receive a newsletter from a group called Voice of the Martyrs and that shares stories of persecuted believers around the world. The church around the world continues to be facing horrendous persecution every single day. And they want us to remember them, and they said this, by making room for them in our thoughts, leading to prayer and acts of service. As we commit to keeping them in our thoughts, however, we should be aware that everything in our fallen nature will resist it on all levels. Physical, mental, and emotional, our natural response is to distance ourselves from suffering of others for the sake of our own comfort. But we must allow our suffering brothers and sisters to intrude upon our comfort. 
They are neither a statistic nor a problem to solve. They are, along with us, members of God's eternal family. Pastor Doug has reminded us that God sometimes allows pain and suffering in our lives for the purpose of good. He wants us totally dependent on His strength and not our own. Herb Vanderloot had it, said it this way, In spite of horrific events on earth, God achieves all His good purposes. He is at work bringing good out of evil, light out of darkness, joy out of pain, order out of chaos, and life out of death. And since we know that the end could happen at any time, I believe this passage suggests three particular ways that we ought to act in the new year. The first thing is to be sober-minded in prayer. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. You know, Doug has told us before, when you see the word therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it there for? <laughs> it points back to the suffering in the first part of the chapter, chapter 4. He talks about the suffering of Christ. He talks about the suffering of the church. We've talked about the suffering of the persecuted church around the world. We need to look back to that. And uh, those things are, are the things that we need to look back on because we need to do something about that. It says pray. And it, pray, it says to pray soberly. Sophreno is the Greek word that means sound in mind, clear-headed. It connotes the cool head and balanced mind that exercises self-control or moderation. To be sober or to be serious. We need to clearly see our situations and circumstances and make right choices. We need to be in the moment, if you will, it's easy to forget that this moment right here, right now, is more important than anything else, and that sometimes, most times, blessings are meant to be holy, singular moments captured not on a screen, but in our hearts. We need to keep the first things first. <clears throat> and then he goes on to say that the purpose of our sobriety, of our seriousness, is that we are to pray. Amen? Pray for the persecuted church around the world. Pray for wells of hope in Uganda. Pray for reigning hope. Intercede for our nation. Pray for the president. Pray for the Congress. Pray for the Supreme Court. Pray for all the other judges. Pray for the governors. Pray for state legislators. Pray for all local authorities. Pray for our weekly prayer list. Pray for everything and everybody. Amen? We need to be praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Amen? We need to pray all the time. We need to live in a constant attitude of prayer. It needs to be a top priority. First things first. A first choice in every circumstance. Andrew Murray had this to say of prayer. Prayer is not a monologue, but a dialogue. God's voice in response to mine is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that He will listen to mine. 
We need to put God's word in us. We need to hear the word of the Lord. That's what we've come together to do. And then we need to talk to the Lord. We need to pray for those things. D.L. Moody said, spend your petition before God and then say, thy will, not mine, be done. And the sweetest lesson he had learned in God's school is to let the Lord choose for me. Let's pray for God's will to be done in our world. Amen. Hebrews 4.16 tells us to come boldly into the crown of grace that we might receive mercy and grace. We need to have boldness in our prayer. We need to be praying all the time, wherever you are, whatever circumstance. My wife and I have taken this as, a, as an opportunity every time we go out to eat is to, uh, after we've ordered our food, to ask the server, is there anything that we can pray for you for? And God has opened up a lot of opportunities for us to pray for that person. Sometimes they say no, but most of the time they say yes. And it, it allows us to bring Jesus into the equation wherever we are. You need to look for those kinds of opportunities to bring prayer to bear in every circumstance. You know, perhaps Peter was reminded of his time in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus had asked him to, to watch and pray. And what did he do? He fell asleep. How many of us fall asleep when God is asking us to watch and pray? Don't fall asleep. Don't do that. And, and remember that that's the time that we need to pray for one another, for our country, for the world, all of the things. Amen? You know, the, uh, the Bible likens the prayers of his people to incense before the throne of God. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says, So we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. Dave Brannon shared a devotion concerning this verse in September. He said, I'm not a coffee drinker, but one sniff of coffee, coffee beans, brings me a moment of both solace and wistfulness. When our teenage daughter Melissa was making her bedroom uniquely hers, she filled a bowl with coffee beans to permeate her room with a warm, pleasant scent. He said it's been nearly two decades since Melissa's earthly life ended in a car accident at age 17. But we still have the bowl of coffee beans to permeate her room with a warm, pleasant scent. It gives us a continual aromatic remembrance of Mel's life with us. Scripture also uses fragrance as a reminder in the Song of Songs, it refers to fragrances as a symbol of love between a man and a woman. In Hosea, God's forgiveness of Israel is said to be fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. And Mary's anointing of Jesus' feet, which caused the house of Mary and her siblings to be filled with the fragrance of perfume, pointed ahead to Jesus' death. The idea of fragrance can also help us be mindful of our testimony of faith to those around us. Paul explained it this way, we are to God the pleasing aroma 
of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Just as the scent of coffee beans reminds me of Melissa, may our lives produce a scent of Jesus and his love that reminds others of their need of him. How can you be the fragrance of Christ to someone today? How has your life caused others to sense the presence of the Savior? Dear Heavenly Father, help me to pass along an aroma of life that makes others know I represent you. We need to keep the fragrance of our constant prayers the first thing in our lives. Let us determine to pray more in 2023. Can you join with me as, as a New Year's resolution to pray more in 2023? Amen. And then I think the second thing that First Peter tells us about is that we need to love fervently with hospitality. And it says in verse 8, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. You know, the Greek word ektenes, it connotes um, a a stretching out as a runner stretches out as he nears the end of a race. He stretches out with every fiber to win. To be fervent, to be intense without ceasing. That's what Paul is talking, or Peter is talking about here. That's how our love should be. It's a top priority. The faucet of love should never be turned off or even partially restrained. The New English Bible says it this way keep your love at full strength. And in Proverbs uh, 10 12, it says that love covers all transgressions. Love motivates us to forgive. Love builds up, not tear down. It focuses on affirming strength rather than criticizing weakness. Disregarding another person's faults preserves love. Mary Beth was looking at a a t-shirt catalog and found this phrase. Just love everyone. I'll sort them out later. God. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Thomas Wilkins, a conductor at the Hollywood Bowl, said, Every day I want to love something, to learn something, and leave something behind. We're called to love God, love people, and change the world. And love can be seen in our hospitality. That's what Peter goes on to say. Be hospitable, fond of guests, lover of... Fond of guests. Okay. Anyway, some of us have a little issue with that, being fond of guests. We are to share what God has given us with others, including our home, our meals, our resources, in fact, our very lives. And if you go back to Acts chapter 2, you'll find out what made the early church so special was how they lived their lives with hospitality. And in Acts 2, verse 42 through 47, it says this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Their love for one another, their hospitality, their sharing of everything changed the world. As the Lord added to their number day by day, you know, one of the chief ways that Muslims are coming to believe in Jesus today and are experiencing believers' baptisms is through sharing meals with Christians. Just having them over to their house and spending time with them. It's non-threatening. It's a way to, to reach them. It, it, it's, it's a way to touch other people. Hospitality has power. Hospitality, just inviting people over, new people at church, people that you've known for years, just spending time together with people over food was a critical part of the success of the early church. And I believe that's a critical part of the success that God wants to have for you and us at Grace Fellowship. Peter says that we're to do it without complaint. No grumbling. Not out of a legalistic spirit of doing what is expected, but we're to do it out of love and joy. It goes back to prayer. Then you need to pray that you would have that feeling, not grumbling about it, but doing it out of love and joy. You know, And one of the ways we do this at Grace Fellowship is through our... Amen. Grace groups. Uh, this wasn't planned, but anyway, that's something that's happening this week, isn't it? Amen. They're starting back up. It's a great opportunity for you to put hospitality into practice in your life. Go to a group. Lead a group. Doug would love to have more leaders to lead groups. Participate fully with your group. God will develop a more fervent love in your life as you experience and share your love through hospitality. Amen? Go to a group. The third thing that I think Peter is telling us to do is that we are called in ministry. We're called to ministry. And um, let me go back to 1 Peter 4. In verse 10 and 11, it says this. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
The purpose of our spiritual gift is that they are to be used in ministry to one another. We're called to be good stewards of our gift. That's what it talks about here. A a steward was a slave that had been put in charge of of the home of the master. And it, it was their purpose to run the master's household. Their main purpose was to think first of what would benefit the master and then do everything they could to ensure that this, his will was done in every circumstance. Uh, my friend Larry, he is my accountability partner for the past 15 years or so, and we've been going through a book called Every Man's Marriage. And the book encourages husbands to so love their wives as a bondservant, as a steward, that we need to look on their needs and their wants and their desires as more important than our own. We need to put aside our own needs, our own desires for the good of our wives. And, and it's, a, it's a tough job. It's not easy to put aside your own feelings, but that's what God is calling us to do, is to be bond servants. Husbands, love your wives. We need to be a bond servant. We need to, 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 to look out for them more than any other person. Pastor Doug has told us that our gift was given to be used through us and not to us. I love that phrase. It is not given to us, but to be used through us. A spiritual gift can never be administered in the flesh. It must always be used in the spirit by allowing the Holy Spirit to minister through us. It is not a ministry we carry out for God. It's a ministry we must allow God to carry out through us. And God will be glorified by this. We will be fulfilled. The Westminster Catechism says, The chief end of man is to enjoy God and to glorify Him forever. We need to use our gifts to serve one another, to serve our families, to serve our church, to serve our community to serve our country, to serve our world. We need to put those needs above our own needs. Amen? That's what using our our gift is all about. And uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says this. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from a selfish, from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. It says we need to look out for the interests of others rather than our own. That's what a good steward does. Doug has told us to find the intersection of God's gift and our passion and then use God's gift through us for the common good. Find that place where you can use your gift to minister to other people. You know, I keep talking about Pastor Doug. Over this last year, he's encouraged us through his wonderful sermons. And one of the things that I I remember is he reminded us that we are a chosen people a royal priesthood that represents God to the people 
and people to God. But it is not our individual effort that reveals God's glory. It's when we are seen together as the body of Christ that we truly reflect his glory. And he talked about some examples of that, that we are his individual brushstrokes that come together to form a masterpiece of art. And, and he said, we're individual notes in the score of a magnificent symphony. Went to the L.A. Phil last night and heard uh, Debussy's uh, Prelude to the Afternoon of a Fawn. Just beautiful. What a gorgeous piece of music. And each individual person added their specific things. And the conductor, Michael Tilson Thomas, just put it all together. That's what God does. He makes a symphony out of us. And then he said, we're individual letters that he brings together to tell our stories. And then the one I love the most was, we are individual points of life in the beautiful chandelier of his purpose. I want to have a picture of a chandelier up here, but you can imagine that, right? We're all individual lights. And then put together, it shows the glory of God. We are essential to the makeup of each, but not the point. I like that. We're essential, but not the point. The point is to reflect God's glory. Let us look around and notice where God is working, and let's join Him in using our gift to serve others and to glorify Him. Amen? You know, in conclusion, I wanted to leave you with a brief synopsis of a sermon that I heard at Sun Valley Church in, in Phoenix. Chad Moore, um, their pastor, called it What Matters Most. And he has a blog, uh, well, he's got several blogs, but one of the things that he put out was The Cigar Pastor. And he, he sits down with various people in the church and uh, Christian people and, and they sit in this cigar place and have a cigar and talk about theology. Now, the reason he does that is comes out of this sermon, What Matters Most. He shared that the purpose of the church is to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. It's a movement of God. It's not a building. It's not a program. It is the only faith in history, history where God loves and welcomes sinners. God has a call on your life. He has changed your heart, and he wants others to experience that same change. Sinners are not the enemy. They are the mission. Therefore, you need to be a friend to unbelievers. He warned, though, that if you do become a friend to unbelievers... You will be criticized for it, and probably from the church. He asked, who's going to be in heaven because of you? Don't just be friendly. Be a real friend. Learn to listen. Chill out and be likable. Be hospitable. Uh, Sun Valley Church in, in Phoenix is the place that my in-laws go to church and we love going there and, and every time we go he, he's always got some kind of a word like that huge church lots of lots of things going on 
But this is what distills it all. What we've been talking about. Making the first things first. I don't want to love what the world loves. I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. I only want you. First things first. I seek your will, not my own. Surrender all my wants to you. Keep the first things first to live your truth. Walk your ways. Set my eyes. Lord, I fix my face on you. All my desires reversed to keep the first things first. As the worship team comes up, uh, let's uh, take a moment just to pray uh, together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that as Peter has told us in this passage, in order for us to keep the first things first, let us be sober-minded in prayer. Let us love one another fervently with hospitality. Let us use our gifts to minister to one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we give this time to you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us make the first things first in 2023. And everyone said, amen. Amen.